buddies. Continue league by league, the P5 leagues, which, frankly, the way things are going, we really don't have a P5. We may have a P3 here in the future. We'll, we'll see. But, anyways, that's not the point today. Brett, you've been looking at some of the remaining ACC teams, and then you're out west too, correct? Yeah, good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me on. And, um, yeah, I'm feeling a little nostalgic here going through what might be my last Pac-12 preview. It feels <laughs> weird. Um, you know, I was getting nostalgic in the ACC now without the vision. So it's just a weird changing landscape. Um, but, yeah, I'm studying the Pac-12 a little bit right now and uh, kind of fitting with the lead-in music. Uh, you just played Crossroads for us um, by Eric, uh, Eric Clapton and Cream. Um, similar here, Colorado and Stanford, they're really at program crossroads here as they head into new eras, uh, new head coaches, uh, and a changing environment in college football. Georgia Dog says, ask Brett, why is Nick Saban upset with having three per- permanent opponents that he has dominated in the past? And, and the projection, although the SEC has not confirmed this, is that Alabama's three permanent in a new nine-game league schedule, which will begin in 24, will be, of course, Auburn, but also Tennessee and LSU. Why is yeah, that well, yeah, that's that's a tough trio. Um, <laughs> when you look at their – I mean, that's a really brutal trio. When you look at their historic, you know, um, where, where those programs usually are, I know that they go through ups and downs. I mean, Auburn's a little bit down right now, and – Tennessee was coming off of a rough decade, but look at their program histories over the long haul because this ends up being the trio for 10, 20 years. Alabama has a huge disadvantage for them um, when there's other teams out there like a, like a Vandy that they could draw. So, um, yeah, and with Alabama, not only is that a, a tough trio, but more times than not they're going to be probably in that SEC title game and contending for playoffs. So it's just a, it's going to be a tough schedule for them every year. So um, there's, I guess there's no perfect way to do it. Uh, you want to keep as much history and rivalry together. It just so happens that they got stuck with their three toughest opponents, it seems like. Using the term crossroads again, is Alabama somewhat at a crossroads in this capacity? National championship. Well, yeah, yeah, this is their biggest threat um, on a dynasty level, uh, Georgia. Um, You know, it's, I think that Clemson had a special run there. Uh, they were elite defenses under Brent Venables. They had a great string of NFL quarterbacks. Uh, but when you look at the recruiting patterns, the transfer portal, and more importantly for me, the geography. Um, and, you know, I don't want to knock South Carolina high school football. I think that's a great state too. But when you compare it to Georgia, it's just the, the number one hub of high school talent right now. It's booming in Georgia. So when you look at what Kirby Smart is building, I think it's an even uh, notch higher than what Clemson built um, you know, they're, they're recruiting right there with Alabama. They're uh, winning in the transfer portal, and they have the long-term geography to, to back it because I don't think Georgia high school football is going anywhere. So uh, they also have a lack of in-state threats. I mean, Georgia Tech is a nice program, but they are not a – when you think of Alabama, they're not an Auburn in the same state. Um, they're not a Florida, Florida State, Miami trio. I mean, it's, Georgia's going to get whoever they want in that state every year, so – I think that that's a bigger problem for Alabama long-term is the Georgia rise. And Georgia also, Brett, in its current form, is developing the players they get better than Alabama is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, for a while there it was – 
Bama had the records for the recruiting classes and the NFL output, but the last two cycles, Georgia's NFL output's incredible. Uh, broke a lot of NFL records uh, for defenders last cycle, and when you think there might be a reloading season after losing 15 draft picks, they come back even stronger uh, as an overall team in 2022, undefeated defending champs uh, in a title game blowout. So, yeah, I agree with you. The, the player development's there. The schemes are there. So we're going we're gonna to see now, um, after a couple more years of this, if Kirby Smart can continue to rebuild a staff uh, like Alabama has because Nick Saban has weathered the storm of coordinator change. So we'll see if Georgia uh, – and it's a good problem to have. That means they're doing something right. If they keep losing coordinators, we'll see how Kirby handles that, uh, that staff development. Let's just stay with that for a second. Are we at a crossroads with Ohio State as it pertains to the Michigan game? And Ohio State's good enough this next year to be one of the two or three teams that could win a national championship. We don't have five that could win it, but a couple of teams. They're one of them. We know last year they were one of them. But can they afford a third straight Michigan loss? No matter what happens the rest of the schedule, can they drop another one? Yeah, they, they can, I don't think, because that would start to put a lot of heat on Ryan Day. Um, it's it's crazy when you compare to other programs. I mean, a coach as successful as him, you would never think hot seat. But uh, within the context of Ohio State, where it's championship or bust, it's Michigan or bust, um, you can't go three straight years losing to Michigan, especially with some of these top talent classes that they have and, and preseason projections. I know that sounds silly, but the expectations are, are, are higher there. So, um, yeah, and you saw how close they were this year. Um, yeah, that would be tough if they go three straight to Michigan, especially uh, given the talent they have on hand. So we'll see. And then, uh, you know, that also assumes that they're losing a third time to Michigan. It's also rare to lose that season finale and make the playoff. I know they pulled it off this year given the, the right circumstances, but generally you lose that Michigan game, you're knocked out of the Big Ten title and usually out of the playoffs. So if that's the case, if they were to lose to Michigan, not win the Big Ten and miss the playoff again, then hot seat talks are coming. Husker Ron up in Ohio. Ask Brett, Matt Rule versus Dion. who is doing better in the offseason? Is there a way to judge that yet? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I'm really excited for that matchup to come back, an old Big 8 and Big 12 rival there. Um, it'll be Dion's second game. Uh, and, of course, they open up with TCU. First home game for Dion, though. So that place is rocking. It's Funny, uh, their athletic director, Rick George, put out a statement saying, hey, do not sell your ticket to, to Nebraska people. We, we don't want any red in that stadium. We want to give Dion a big welcome. So we'll see if that holds up. But they're both doing great jobs. It's, it's two completely different program strategies. I mean, first with Matt Rule, it seems like more of the traditional, um, the staff is out there grinding. They're finding prospects. They want to you know, build it for the long term with program development, uh, player development, and um, just get you know, fundamentally sound football there. Uh, and that's the right move I think that they need right now. And then with Colorado, it's also the same move that they need. They need to put Colorado back on the map, and that's what Dion did. Uh, 45 prospects signed in 45 days, an incredible pace, and these are some five-star kids, four-stars. Uh, Colorado surged in the top 25 in recruiting and has the number one transfer class, so uh, really the best uh, roster overhaul uh, overnight right now. So, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating what's happening in Colorado. They're back on the map. Nebraska brought in, and I know you're not – what you do does not involve being some kind of recruiting guru guy, but 
Dylan Rayola is the top-rated player in the class of 24. He's in Phoenix. His dad, Dominic Rayola, very famous Nebraska offensive lineman, many years in the NFL as a star. And it looked like maybe they were leading a week or two ago after Georgia appeared to be leading, and then after Ohio State had a commitment from him that didn't hold. Southern Cal just got a visit, and now the thinking is that's where he's leaning. That would be hurtful if they don't get him. He's a legacy, a superstar quarterback. Again, he's a top-ranked player in the class of 24 regardless of position, and he's a quarterback out of the Phoenix area. So that's another judgment call that we don't know the answer to yet involving Nebraska. Yeah, that's 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 huge. Um, that's huge. I saw that he was at a Nebraska basketball game, and the oh, entire yeah. you know thirty thousand seat stadium was chanting his name and standing ovation. Uh, that's pretty humbling for a seventeen year old. I don't <laughs> I don't care what his star ranking is. That's pretty cool. So um, I think that was a, a testament to the fan base and kind of how he'll be loved there if he comes uh, comes home, so to speak. Uh, Georgia has the, obviously the dynasty going. They're the winning program right now. Uh, Ohio State has had the best offense over the last five years if you average that out. And with USC, uh, Lincoln Riley has produced Heisman's NFL quarterbacks, and um, he proved we can do it at USC. So he's got four great options. Uh, of the four right now, Nebraska's probably the least proven on the field. But, um, you know, through his dad and, and through his legacy roots, he, he knows the history probably. So that would be a massive win. That would be a program changer for Matt Rule. Tom in Myrtle Beach. Bill asked Brett, to give a review on Clemson. He says he thinks they're flying under the radar a little bit, maybe nationally, but they're coming off winning the ACC again, so they recaptured that. He says it's weird how most so-called experts are talking about them right now. Yeah, well, I think with with Clemson, um, there was some hesitation around the offense uh, coming into the offseason, and they really fixed that problem right away by hiring Garrett Riley from TCU. Uh, you saw what he was able to to pull off with TCU's roster. Um, it's that high-flying, wide-open offense, similar to what his brother Lincoln runs uh, at Oklahoma and USC. So you bring that to Clemson, and now all of a sudden it's a complete team. Um, you know, the defense has always been there. It's just the offense collapsed in 2021 and last year to a degree. So, yeah, when you look forward to 2023, they're definitely a contender there with Florida State. I think those are the two front runners for me for the ACC before I do my deep dive research on those two programs. But, you know, at a, at a quick glance, those are the two. And Clemson really improved their shot by fixing the offensive coordinator spot. Mike, the mad dog, says, guys, if Georgia three-peats this season, can we then put to rest the talk of Kirby being in Nick's shadow? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it would just be different. Um, Alabama with Nick Saban and over the long haul, the last 15, 20 years, uh, is unprecedented with what they pulled off. But in terms of a three-peat, in terms of a best three-year run, yeah, that would cement Kirby Smart and Georgia up there. I'm trying to think of the last three-peat champ. I think you have to go back to the 1940s with Minnesota, something like that. It's It just doesn't happen when you're talking outright title three in a row. So uh, definitely not in the modern game. Nothing Alabama has pulled off. Um, so, yeah, it would just be different. I don't think you can compare the two. It's just Nick Saban's been doing it so long. And But Kirby Smart, that three-year run would be the best ever in modern history. Brett Ciancia with us, pick six previews. Brett, do you allow yourself any time to watch conference basketball tournaments? 
Yeah, I, I tune in a little bit. I, I really like the energy in March. Um, these conference yeah. tournaments have big finishes, especially this weekend with uh, some of the power conferences. I mean, even the weeknights you turn on, there's usually a, a lower-level conference finishing up and um, with the, the big ticket on the line. So, yeah, it's exciting. And uh, you got Selection Sunday coming up. And then uh, the opening round is, I mean, those 48 hours on Thursday and Friday, the first first round of the NCAA tournament, it's one of the best uh, 48 hours in sports. So I try and maximize that time and enjoy it. But, um, yeah, it's that time of year again. What is your schedule? You're, you're out west right now in your studies, but how does it go the rest of these weeks? Yeah, I'm, I'm starting out just looking at programs that had coaching changes and coordinator changes. I'm hopping around a little bit. I did some in the ACC. I did some Pac-12. I'm really just – I can't wait to get the spring ball because um, – and usually they're staggered more, the spring games, but it looks like there's two weekends in April that have 90% of the Power 5 spring games. So uh, it's going to be quiet for a while, and then once mid-April hits, it's going to be tons of spring game footage. Uh, calls with head coaches and coordinators will heat up again. And then you have that transfer portal window. It's a little bit shorter this time around. I think it goes till May 15. Uh, once May 15 hits, then lock and load for the, the first draft and final draft of the book. So um, it seems like a while away, but it's going to get here quick. And I, I can't wait. Yeah, the spring's going to be interesting. I'm not a big spring guy because through my years, most of those articles written are just lies or just filler stuff. But the quarterback battles – that have been well chronicled everywhere, whether it's Notre Dame, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Alabama, Georgia. I'm, I'm going to leave some out, obviously. Going to be interesting the way those – and maybe this spring, Brett, we don't get any closure on those. Maybe it's August. Right, yeah, and you see some of that worked out in, in spring, and um, the result, uh, domino effect of that is you'll have backups and third stringers transfer – uh, and then the quarterback carousel heats up again, and they find that in fall camp they're battling in new places against new quarterbacks. So, uh, yeah, you definitely see that in the spring games. You get to see new roster additions. You get to see a little bit of new scheme that was installed. Um, you know, So, yeah, you can't take away too much from it, but uh, it's, it's good reviews of the rosters halfway through the offseason. One note, Tom and Myrtle Beach says, I think Florida State Clemson, which is later in the season, will be bigger than Florida State LSU, which is that opener in Orlando. What do you think? Well, I think when you consider what's on the line, you have um, it's a rivalry. It's uh, kind of Florida State's return to really contending for an ACC title. You have the what would have been the Atlantic Division. I almost caught myself. It's, it's going to be a transition, but uh, you might have an overall ACC title berth on the line. Um, so, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's um, – at that point of the year, too, if, if, say, Florida State knocks off LSU, they could be running in there with uh, one loss or an undefeated record. So, yeah, that, that's one of the biggest games of the whole football calendar right there. Tell everybody what they need to do to get on your content. Yeah, thanks. It's pick6previews.com. It's an annual season preview book that comes out every July. Well at work again on the 2023 edition. Until then, at pick6previews on Twitter. Good stuff, man. See you next week. Thanks, Bill. There he is, Brett Ciancia, Pick 6 Previews, each and every Wednesday. Blake Rafi.